0: Hello, and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Hello, Jen.
1: Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. I can hear you. We tried to use a new microphone today, and let me just tell you, when we are offline, I will explain to you the series events, which actually took my whole phone down. (laughs) <laughs> wow and my, my fifth is going off like your heart rate's up like i know bitch <laughs> right. i'm very fucking aware right now that my heart rate is up <laughs> my,
1: mine does that too sometimes mm-hmm. usually it happens at work and i'm like you're raising my heart rate
0: i know just, you you're gonna, gonna like, need to leave yeah exactly you're gonna um you're bad for my health in this moment <laughs> and i'm gonna need you to leave
1: okay well <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. Okay. For Christmas, I bought you a headset. <coughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> COVID's real. <laughs> right, true. Assuming that I woke up at eight o'clock this morning. Oh yeah. Um, but I got you a a headset. Thank you. So if you want to pick it up early, you're more than welcome to. I may just do that as, and I, then, as and I, then,
0: I work within a mile of your house.
1: And then <laughs> as you s- sit there at Christmas, just remember you got a headset. That's true. <laughs> That's
0: true. I'm going to need that. I'm going to need, I will do that. I'll just hold up a little postcard that says headset on it. Every time I see someone open a gift, be like, oh, yeah, I already opened. Fine. <laughs> All right. What are you talking about today? Okay. So today I want to talk about. This mysterious case that I read in this Uncle John, Uncle's John Bathroom Reader, which is a book if you've never heard about it. I fell in love with them more than 20 years ago, and I'm pretty sure they don't even print them anymore. But Uncle John Bathroom Reader is just like one page might just be um, explaining about how the first camera was made. Then the next page might tell you, you know, what happened uh, in a great fire in the 1800s. The next page might explain to you, you know, why crickets chirping can tell you the temperature, et cetera. And on the bottom of every page of the book, there's a fact. And I've just like always loved Uncle John Bathroom's Reader. And when I read this, I saw it at the library. I saw Uncle John's True Crime. I was like, oh, one I don't have because I have so damn many. And I was like, all right, let me see. And it had this case. And I was like, yes, I am intrigued. And I want to tell Jen. (laughs) So
1: there
0: you go. Yeah, what do you have? i have the murder of jessica
1: and it's spelled j e s i k a oh,
0: kelsey okay. age oh. seventeen is it k e l s e y yes oh nice okay all right um you know what i will go last because um mine's not a seventeen year old <laughs>
1: all right um, New Year's Eve, the Kelsey family was ringing in the 2009 year at home in Highland, Michigan. Okay. Stephen Kelsey, the brother of Jessica, was a Army soldier. He was home on leave from basic training, which his basic training was in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And he was replan- or planning to return to training on January 2nd. Um, at the time of the murder, Jessica was seventeen, and Stephen was nineteen.
0: That's so young,
1: yeah. In an Oakland press news article, it talked about how Jessica had plans to follow in her brother's footsteps and join the military. She worked for a local window cleaning company neighbors were and friends were quoted. You know, she was a good girl who is never in trouble, very polite. She was well-liked. Okay. On January 1st, the Oakland County police stopped at the Kelsey home to do a welfare check on Stephen. The welfare check was done because at a Heartland, Michigan, Wendy's dumpster, someone found a backpack And in that backpack was Stephen's military ID, knives, and blood. Oh. The mother spoke to police and reports say that she said he was running errands. She thought he was out running errands.
0: Okay. So this has only been like a day, right? So they find, it's not like he's been missing for a long time?
1: No. No. Remember, they're ringing in
0: the new year. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Everybody goes to bed. Yes. And the next day.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. No, so I'm with the mom. I wouldn't try to worry yet either. Sometime later, the
1: mother stated she went to check on Jessica and found her dead with multiple stab wounds. Oh, no. The police started looking for Stephen, who was found in Tyrone Township. Livingston County police picked him up after an unknown caller reported him for suspicious activity. It is reported he was asking people to drive him to the airport. Oof. When talking to police, he was um, quoted as stating, I got a knife and I killed her. Stephen was arrested for the murder of Jessica, charged with first-degree homicide, first-degree premeditated murder. He waived his right to a preliminary exam, and during his arraignment, he stood mute and the court put in a not guilty plea. In the autopsy report, she was stabbed multiple times, including the throat and eye. It was also confirmed she was sexually assaulted. They stated she was alive several minutes after being assaulted. Oh, no. During Stephen's arraignment, a police officer stated Stephen murdered Jessica, left the house and headed to Heartland, either by foot or hitchhiking, went to, went to an ATM, went shopping, and then got a hotel room where he cleaned himself up. He then traveled to Tyrone Township in Livingston County. And during the trial, the prosecutor played interview tapes of Stephen where he recounted what had happened the day of the murder. Everything was going was good. He was drinking, playing darts. Everyone had went to bed but him he attempted to have sex with Jessica. He stabbed her twice and said her dying words were Stephen Y. Oh it actually came out in trial that when the two were twelve and thirteen they got caught having sex together.
0: Oh no shit. I don't
1: know if he thought at this point and he could do it again. I don't know.
0: Uh. He talked
1: he talked about how after he stabbed her, he stabbed her in the eye because she she was in pain. He stabbed her in the eye to get to her brain to end her suffering. Oh. In an Oakland Press News article in 2010, it talks about the day of his sentencing. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. The mother spoke to the court, not only about Jessica being a beautiful, bright girl, but also about Stephen being a soldier and how proud she had been of him. Oh. And he took Jessica's future away and threw his away at the same time. Stephen addressed the court saying he was sorry and how he was haunted by what he had done. <coughs> sorry. And I listened to some of the interview tape and it seems like you know he was remorseful
0: and just
1: didn't know why he did it I don't give a shit though if you're
0: willing to kill someone at 19 for no fucking reason someone that you're supposed to be friends with well it's um, his sister uh, yeah (laughs) well not all siblings are friends you know what I mean but I'm with you I'm with you Because I don't know if the other one we did with the two sisters when they thought the sister did it. She was like, look, I wouldn't kill. You know, I don't miss her, but I I didn't kill her. I was like, God damn. (laughs) It is like that. Yeah. But I just thought, no, I would never. No, I feel like pretty early he showed us he doesn't need to be in society. And that's fine.
1: I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. I mean, that mother. Well, lost two kids. Right. And that's only two kids she had. Right. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I I don't know that for sure. Oh, okay.
0: All right. That's terrible. And they're both so young. Right. Yeah. Lighten the mood a bit. I absolutely will. <laughs> Thank you. I actually can this time. So um, I see the true crime Uncle John's Bath and Reader. I grab that and like a Michigan FBI one and I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you know i love the library okay everybody support your local library it's amazing there's books there all right <laughs> so <laughs> i read this story about Jean and cone's death and there's all these twists so i did what i do i go to the internet to find newspaper articles because you know i want to cor- corroborate all the additional details and so i noticed this pattern in all the articles, and then I'll talk about it afterwards, about why I was just like, let's just be real. But anyways, I ended up using, because there was a couple articles I was like, immediately skip, immediately no. So the ones I did use was abcnews.go.com, Washington Post had um, an article by Vicky, and her last name is spelled C-H-A-C-H-E-R-E, like cha-cha, I mean, I don't know. It's probably yeah. spelled something, it's probably pronounced way more beautiful than that, but I was like, I bet she has heard a million gazillion pronunciations of her last name. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm going to tell you what happened. Here's my understanding on what happened Friday, March 28, 2003. Jean-Anne Combs, she went to the annual benefit gala for the Tampa Museum of Art. jean Ann was a socialite and these types of evenings were very typical for her. Jean Ann's husband, Douglas, he was away on business trips, so Jean Ann attended the gala by herself. Douglas was frequently gone during the week to support his industry, so he was often gone during the week and only came home on the weekends. So that's also very usual for them. Nothing's wrong, nothing wrong. So Jean Ann, who was 25 years old, I mean, 25. By no means was she 25. She was 75. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why the word 20 came out of my mouth. This woman was 75 oh years old, and I'm so sorry I said the word 25. And so she's 75 years old. She was someone who was described as the life of the party. Jean Ann enjoyed raising champion bulldogs. She was known as a philanthropist. Jean Ann had a secret fund called the Cone Charity that she used to help people with animals. So say someone has a vet um, bill that they can't afford and their pet needs veterinary services. She would say, Oh, just charge it to the cone charity instead. And that would just be her paying the bills. Yeah. She raised three kids to adulthood with Douglas. Everything's golden. And on the night of the 28th, Jean had consumed a lot of alcoholic drinks. So her friend, Bobby Williams decides to follow Jean home, you know, drive behind her to make sure she gets home safely. Bobby watches as Jean Ann pulls her Rolls Royce into the garage at her house. And she then closes the garage door behind her. Bobby's like, okay, everything's safe. So she backs out of the driveway. She drives home and she becomes the last person to see Jean Ann Cone alive. So Norma Gote, her husband worked for the Cones for several years. Norma Norma herself had just become employed as a part-time housekeeper in the last few months at the home. And the day after Bobby chaperoned Jean Ann home, so Saturday, March 29th, 2003, Norma shows up at 5 p.m. to perform her duties. So the first thing that Norma saw that she was like, okay, this is really unusual, was Jean Ann's bed. It was neatly made and that was a task that Jean Ann typically left for Norma to complete. So she never made her bed. She, she left it for the help. So Norma sees that the bed's made and doesn't go, oh, look, she made the bed. She goes, oh, no, she must have spent the night at a friend's house because she doesn't make her bed. And then Norma just keeps going. A little while later, a friend shows up to take Jean Ann out, and the two of them agree to go to a baseball game together. And the only thing that Norma could do was to tell the friend that she's not sure where jean Ann was and that maybe she forgot about the game. So jean Ann's friend leaves without her disappointed and done with her duties at 7 p.m., Norma locks up the house and she goes home. She never saw jean Ann at the house on Saturday. When jean Ann missed a lunch date the following day, Sunday, that's when people really begin to worry. So Julian McGill is... Jean-Anne's daughter, and she received a call that Sunday asking about her mom's whereabouts. And after not being able to contact jean Ann, Julianne immediately drove to her parents' house and she begins to look around. And it's not until she looks into the garage that she's able to find her mom. So what do you think happened? I don't Hello? know. I don't know what happened. Okay. I'll tell you. Yeah. So jean Ann's Rolls Royce, it's in the garage. Uh-huh. And there's a large puddle of antifreeze pooling underneath it. And the windows are rolled up and the doors are locked. And Jean Ann's dead body is slumped over in the driver's seat. What the heck? Yeah. So looking at her desk, the facts of the case are as follows, right? Both the garage door and the house door, um, leading, you know, the door leading to everything's closed. Jean Ann had a blood alcohol level that was 018 so that's more than twice the legal limit for blood alcohol content right. for Florida. Yeah. It's 0.08 is allowed. Is well that's once you get there, you're drunk. And she's at 0.18. So that must tell you the fact that she drove home with the blood alcohol level of 0.18. That tells you that she must be a an experienced drinker. Do you know how I mean? yeah? How did yeah. she make it there? Yeah, just she's an experienced drinker. Let me say that. So GN also took medicine that would sometimes cause her to become lightheaded and that would have been exacerbated by the alcohol consumption. So it already makes her lightheaded and when she drinks it, it gets worse. So even though her car wasn't running when she's found, Jean Ann's car had the key in the ignition and it was locked in the on position. So Julianne confirmed that her mom did have a habit of pulling her car into the garage and closing the door before shutting the car off. So it's concluded that the cause of Jean-Ann's death was accidental. Investigators believe that Jean-Ann pulled her car into the garage that night and closed the door behind her. They think she may have had one of her spells where she either becomes lightheaded from the pills or possibly she loses consciousness due to the alcohol level. The investigators believe that she passes out either from the pills or the alcohol and she suffers from carbon monoxide poisoning Due to the car exhaust fumes, because now she's in a locked room with carbon monoxide. She suffocates before she can wake up. That's and how she And it runs out of gas. Yep. Well, the puddle of antifreeze underneath the car was believed because the car um, ran until it overheated. It caused the antifreeze to leak out, and that caused the engine to shut off. That's why the key's still on the on position. The car's turned off and when Julian finds Jane Ann. So at, at this point, everything's looking like, okay, very explainable. Jean Ann's Douglas husband, he returns home um, to Tampa when he hears about Jean Ann's death. And his grief seems appropriate for someone who lost their wife of 52 years. Norma, the housekeeper, she notes that Douglas seems depressed when she sees him at the house and she's working. And then Douglas does something really suspicious. 13 days after Jean Ann's death, he placed an announcement in the newspaper that he was going to get married. What so, the hell? Yeah. Now Douglas doesn't tell his three children that he has with Jean Anne that he's getting married, you know? He just leaves the engagement as an unhappy surprise in the newspaper. And if you add it add it to that, the woman he wants to marry, her name is Hillary Carson, she's 58 years old. She was already married. So thinking a new wife within 2 weeks is too suspicious. Douglas's children asked investigators to take a closer look. Hillary's husband was Donald Carlson, and he worked for the U.S. State Department. Donald's job caused him to travel often. And even though they'd been married for 20 years, because of his traveling, very few of Hillary's friends had met Donald. The couple themselves were enough, you know, had enough contact. They have two kids together. They have a beautiful 67-acre ranch that they share together for decades. And the investigators begin to compare the home of jean Ann Cohn and her husband, Douglas, against the home of Hillary Carlson and her husband, Donald. So they're in the same elitist social circles in Florida. Their children attend the same school, Berkeley Preparatory School, where both jean Ann and Hillary served on the board of trustees. Both the Cohns and the Carlsons donated substantial amounts of money to the school, the school's library was dedicated and named after Jean Ann Cohn. It's literally the Jean Ann Cohn library, while a baseball field was dedicated to and named after Hillary Carlson, the Carlson field. Both women drove cars that were from the Rolls-Royce Company and they lived 20 miles away from each other. Then they compare the two husbands against each other. Jean Ann's husband, Douglas, was in the construction business, a millionaire owner of a highway construction company. And Hillary's husband, Donald, works as a traveling diplomat. And those are the two very different occupations. So like, all right, but then a pattern was noticed between the two men. Hillary's husband was usually home during the week and gone on weekends. And the opposite was true of Jean-Anne's husband, who often worked during the week and came home on the weekends. So the clues are stacking up and Douglas is forced to come clean. He has chosen for decades to lead a double life. Why? Yes. Now check this out because it's, it's the... even a little bit more entwined. Now, remember, these people are damn near neighbors. Their kids go to the same school, everything. Right. So he was Douglas when he's with Jean and their three children. And he's Donald. When he when he's with his mistress, second wife, Hillary, Douglas split his wife between the two wives and five kids, giving the majority of his time for 20 years, for more than 20 years, a majority of his time to his mistress slash wife, Hillary, during the week. Hillary used the story of a traveling diplomat to explain why her husband was so often absent from school and social affairs. So like they would go out to do school stuff and Douglas would just wait at home for them. Yeah, because he can't go out because he can't go out because his wife's at the same event. His other wife. Yeah. So in reality, you know, she can't be seen. They're in the same social circles as Jean Ann. So, Douglas spent, um, was with Jane Ann for 52 years and he was with Hillary for over 20 and he had children with both. But there's like a large age gap between the two sets of kids. You know, at this point, Jane Ann's kids are in their late 40s. His other kids with Hillary, they're in their late teens and their children all attend Berkeley Preparatory School, even his grandkids. So, there's like all these close calls. One time, Douglas's granddaughter was in the same granddaughter from Jean Ann. So his granddaughter with Jean Ann is in the same high school class as his daughter with Hillary. So his granddaughter and daughter were in the same class, only they didn't know it.
1: Wouldn't be that great. Wouldn't that have been crazy if they became friends? Wouldn't it
0: have been? And then one invited her over to the other's house. It would have been insane. So yeah, Douglas spent all his time with his second wife's last mistress And, you know, raising their two kids, but he just wouldn't leave the house for social affairs. And his kids talk about later on thinking, like, I didn't really think it was too suspicious because my dad explained it as, you know, he has top secret business and he can't be seen in public. Yeah. But I'm still
1: confused. I'm I'm confused on. Yeah. Why did he put that in the newspaper?
0: He announced their wedding because he's like, well, now that Jean Ann's dead, I'm going to marry Hillary straight up.
1: So she knew oh
0: she yeah she knew let me finish hillary knew this whole time oh, okay hillary always knew doug and hillary they met due to work probably because this is speculated on, because hillary was once employed as a secretary in one of doug's companies in the late 1970s that's how long they've been together and it's speculated that they met around that time so she met him she was the secretary who has the affair with the boss who then pretends to be married to him for over 20 years and leads a life of, you know, intrigue. So the, the and further investigation shows that Ann's death was still accidental. And here's a quote from um, Jim Simpson, a Tampa police sergeant. And the quote is, The family was only suspicious because Douglas Cohn remarried too quickly. Turns out that can be easily explained. It's not like he met the, women, the woman two weeks before. End quote. So finally, a quote from Julianne, jean Ann's daughter with Douglas. My mother died. My father made a mess. And all we want is just to be left alone about it. End quote. Damn. He literally pretended to be two people.
1: <laughs> his wow. kids
0: thought his name was Donald. The Hillary's kids with him thought his name was Donald. And that he worked as a secretary. So that must have fucked them up too. It's not just Jean annes kids. Well, right? Yeah. What the hell? I don't know. And then that's just, crazy.: Yes. And that he told his original wife that he had to spend most of his time out of town, and it went on for decades. Where did she think he was? He must have said he had a house somewhere. I don't know. Well, I don't but he was know. actually or- he was living with Hillary this whole time making children's jesus I nice. i know there's no s in children's if someone wants to tell me i know that's crazy yeah that's probably one of the craziest stories you've told me i know it was so crazy i thought i had to tell you because you never know where this is going at first i'm like husband did it immediately <laughs> i'm like i knew he did it oh wait he didn't do it <laughs> yeah wow. yeah yeah know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so she either was a drinker or, man, she was one lucky lady to
0: make it home. No, I'm pretty sure that she was a drinker. And almost every single article amidst the fact that she had been drinking, they blame it on her lightheaded medicine. They do not bring up the fact that she was twice the legal limit drunk. And once you reach 1.2, you start risking, like, serious health risk. And she was driving at a 1.8 or a 0. 0.18. Dang. Yeah. Wow. That's That's experience. That's experience. And someone who, um, you know, someone has maybe an issue with alcohol when they drink and take medicine at the same time when it's really bad for their health. Like, if you don't have a problem with alcohol, you just stop drinking it. And see, when you said he,
1: you know, was going to get married real quick, I thought to myself, well,
0: old people do that. Like, Like, like 12 days after your wife dies, your wife of 52 years. Oh. Yeah, his kids immediately like hanging in a community
1: shit. center or something. <laughs> They're regretting oh, they check that
0: shit. Oh, they met somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I know what I'm going to do next time. I'm going to do a, another Paula Zahn case. This is going to, this one's, this is called Paula Zahn, a hero betrayed. I am doing a case from the 80s. Oh, yeah. teenager. Well,
1: it's okay. another teenager.
0: That reminds me of a few episodes. I got a couple um kidnappings off the FBI book I borrowed. And I was thinking that um everybody comes back alive. So it's a really easy kidnapping to go over. A couple. What? what happened to Discovery Plus? Oh, I'm still watching it. The Paula's on run. Discovery Plus. There's a couple like the next I have four right now available for you with Discovery Plus. Okay. I'm just working on the <laughs> FBI one. I just need time. So what happened was I just keep going with it. I, okay. There's a new one I tried to write last night. It's called chaos in court. And when I began watching it is when I realized that, okay, that there's no description. So like the description will just be like a prosecutor blows up, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you don't, it doesn't say the state or the person's name so that you can look anything up. So the very first one I do on it, I just have a couple of different ones and then a Michigan one. And then I figure out the formula and I'm like, Oh, okay. Just follow the Michigan ones. I figure out, you know, the formula of the show. But I've got it. It's just basically people fighting in court. And I do want to say there is a dude that um, terrorized his ex-girlfriend and when her kids beat his ass in court. He didn't look so tough. <laughs> he didn't look so tough. <laughs> Let's just say that. He didn't look so tough. <laughs> but, yeah, I can, I've got a lot of Discovery Plus, and i got some library finds. All right. Well, All until right. then. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, bye.